Welcome to Sketch Magazine Podcast, hosted by Bill Nichols, Senior Editor of Sketch Magazine, John Wilson, Editor of Sketch Daily over at ComicRelated.com, and myself, Robert W. Hickey, Publisher of Sketch Magazine and Co-Founder of Blue Line. Come back after the music and find out what we have to offer in this episode. What's up, creators? This is John once again, and you have found the Sketch Magazine podcast. I am here, as always, with Bill Nichols and Bob Hickey, and tonight we are going to talk about the birth of an idea and how to take that to page. How you doing tonight, guys? Hey, John. Hey, John. This is Bill. It's been remarked that we, t- you know, telling us apart or telling who we each of us are, you know. I mean, our friends right. know who we are. Ah, but, uh, but people don't know just by the sound of your voice who you are yet. They should know right. Bill, because uh, he never talks. So when he does, he stands out. Well, yeah. you would think, but... But see, that's uh, that's kind of an oxymoron, because they can't know by Bill by his voice if he never you talks. You know, a funny thing is I got an email. No, I got a Facebook thing the other day, and they were like, I think there's something wrong with the podcast. I'm not hearing Bill very much. So I was sitting here working. I opened up the podcast, and Bill, you talked a lot at the beginning, but boy, did I ramble a lot. I didn't give anybody a chance to talk for a long period of time. I'm like, that's why you haven't heard Bill. Bob's rambling. (laughs) Yeah, we use those as bathroom breaks. (laughs) Bob's rambling. Keep on going. Bob's rambling. Keep, he'll be he'll be good for about yeah. five minutes. Hey, uh, before we get into the subject, just real quick, we yep. just broke three thousand downloads. Sweet, yeah. thank, thank you, you, listeners. I just I was checking while we were getting ready here, and yep, that's awesome. We're three thousand one right now. So, well, that's fantastic. Okay, so what are we talking about? Things. No, we are talking about um, how to take. That great idea you have, and actually turn it into something. Okay, are we talking about the point as we already have the script, the plot? Because we were talking about writing in the last one, correct? Right, so uh, let us assume that they listened to last week's podcast, and that they know how to turn it into a script at this point. So, where do we go from script to getting it to an actual hold-in-your-hand comic book. What would be our next step? Well, you need an artist. Well, that's true. How you get that artist, if you get the artist um, after the fact or even before the fact, I mean, that that in and of itself could possibly change what you do as far as your script. If you know that a certain artist is drawing something a certain way, you may tailor your script a little bit more toward that artist style but uh, you definitely need an artist and I mean there are ways to we've talked about on other podcasts about how you can you know collaborate and stuff so unless of course you are also the artist that's what I was thinking yeah which you know um, works sometimes and sometimes may not because it's always nice to have another perspective on your writing so I, no, I think it's fun to sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know 
with with uh, the new project which we're going to announce. It's Camelot Forever is the name of the project. I'm working with Eddie Newell. Boy, some of these pages that I wrote, he's turning in. I'm thinking, wow, that's not how I envisioned it, but that's awesome, you know? So there's a lot of surprise. Sometimes you look at it and go, hmm, how am I going to word this? Or the, the text that I had thought we were going to go there won't go. So, you know, you got to think about it. The fun thing is usually if you're writing and drawing, as you're writing, you're drawing in your head, if nothing else. You know the layouts. You know the characters. You're, you're doing all that together. But, yeah, when you hand it off to somebody, it, it's I enjoy working with other creators. It's, it's part of the fun for me to see what we get back. Yeah, sometimes when I'm, when I'm writing, I will envision it as a movie or, you know, an animated movie or something. But uh, I've heard it from both sides over the years. Some people say that's a really good idea, and then some people say it's a really bad idea. But, I, but I, what I say is if it works for you, do it. I don't subscribe to, you know, either extreme, but yeah, if it works for you, but however it works for you to get your, your vision on the page, um, I mean, you don't have to be locked into it or it doesn't have to be written in stone. So if the artist changes something, you know, you freak out, right? This is not my dream. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know. No, I was going to say it helps you be a lot less precious, I guess is the way to put it about your writing. You know, that, that you don't get into that, uh, you're doing it wrong because you didn't do exactly every line I wrote on the page. Yeah. You know, it helps you uh it helps you realize that what you write is interpreted differently by other people. Well, it's, so it's a collaboration between two. Yeah. Gives you yeah, it gives you a new perspective. Yeah, it should be. As a writer you gotta be willing to tweak, change and modify throughout the whole process until it's printed and handed to the reader i mean but isn't that true in music or even in movies the guy who oh, the guy who writes the original script for a movie you know that movie until it's cut and out and out being shown it, it can be changed modified at any point in time till those final films are done right. so yeah i mean the fun part about us is that the reader or the writer can be involved in the process of the changes and you know sometimes i've gone back to an artist says dude this ain't gonna work um a lot of times i go back to young artists new artists and i'm like you have to leave room for word balloons you know they want to fill up the whole panel and so right. and that's a common mistake for a new artist you gotta allow room to uh put the words in the character's mouth if if you need to so um but it is a fun collaboration and, and you just have to, when, if you're not the artist, you need to be careful and selective to pick the creator that you envision this project to work with. Our current project right now at theclaysway.com, I'm working with Jackie Hernandez. Well, Jackie's done a lot of furry stuff, and she recently did the confectionaries with, with Darren and uh, Krista at Ringtail. She loves Disney. We were having a hard time really getting these characters down for Clay's way with her. Finally, I looked at her and says, think Disney. And you could almost see the light bulb click on her head. She was like, right. oh, the next one she's ripping out was just perfect, dead on. And and it's like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, yes, that's what it took. And that was the look we were wanting, you know. And it's evolving. It's getting better. It's getting quicker for her. The characters are looking you know, consistently over strips now. 
it takes you researching, finding the correct artist for your project. Is your project a you know gritty, I don't know, dark, spawn type project? Well, you don't want somebody who draws an animation style drawing that for you. Yeah. Right. You know, well, you laugh, but some people just grab somebody because they're available. You know what I mean? Right. And that yeah, not only is that going to aggravate you because the the project doesn't turn out looking the way you want it. But it's going to make it hard for you to sell this nice, clean, drawn, gritty, dark story. You know, make sure you get the right person for the job. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're saying be flexible, but don't be too flexible. You know, you want to keep it within the neighborhood of your original vision. Like I ran into a situation myself with something I had written. The artist took some minor uh, adult details in the story and blew them up majorly to uh, make it a fairly adult story, much more than I orig had originally intended. Really? Uh, there was way too much nudity in the story, let's uh -huh. put it that way. And uh, there was not intended to be anywhere near that much nudity. So um, we had to rethink use of that particular artists on on that project because uh, you know it was too far away from the original right. vision so it's it's you know it's good to be flexible but you also have to you know know when to go you know okay this is not even close to what i was looking for we need to uh we need to rethink right. this and you know a lot of times you can just tell the artist hey i need you to go this way instead and 99 out of 100 artists are, will be great, fine, perfect. I'm glad to do that. Right. Well, I, I mean, I had a sort of similar situation with Blood and Roses with um, with Mark, Mark, Mark Hester. When mm -hmm. I did Orlando, who's the he's a musketeer. Um, he's a time agent from the musketeer times. And uh, right. I got character sheets back, and on the, the side notes, he said something about him being gay. I don't, like, what? I didn't write he's him not, gay. He's not, he's not gay. He's, he's a musketeer. No, uh, that's how I draw him. With that in mind. Or, what? You know, I'm, okay. I, no, but, you know, I, I understood from his mind point, uh, his uh, whatever. Right, his mindset. You know, yeah. And uh, I was like, okay. I mean, it was just something he picked up on or just how he approached drawing the character versus the others. I mean, it didn't change the outlook of the, it didn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't a deal breaker with us, but right. it was just, it was just an odd thing. And, um, I mean, that's part of the thing about collaboration is getting, uh, you know, both sides, uh, having input into the project. But I mean, other than that, I mean, he did, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, the things that, that I, I mean, I had sketched out all the characters and stuff. And that was just his character. It's like, well, this is what, I, you know, what, this is how, you know, I'm going to draw them in the, the pages and stuff. And that's pretty much what, and he just had side notes. But that, I, that one just caught me off guard, I guess. And like, eh, what? Uh, yeah, it's very much like uh, once when interviewed, Johnny Depp said when he was doing Ichabod Crane for Sleepy Hollow, that he envisioned Ichabod Crane as a cross between Angela Lansbury and a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a, 
it's kind of weird where the creative process takes people sometimes. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you have to. It, it's it's almost like a filter that you have to run things through. Right. Um, some people, it's when they talk, you have to run things through a filter for that person, and you go, oh, okay, that's what. Yeah, you now mean. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. like uh, the the host on the other website for our podcast, Chuck Moore, um, tends to write um, in a different way than he speaks. And uh, he doesn't always put all the words in there or puts unusual words in there. And we started to dub it Chuck speak <laughs> because I'm one of the few people that is fluent in Chuck speak and understands right. what he means. But occasionally it's uh, it's gotten him into a little uh, little trouble, you know, when he will write something and people want to understand what he's saying. Well, that's Chuck for you. That's and Chuck. We're for talking you. about that crazy Chuck, Chuck Moore, guy. are we? Yes, that Chuck Moore. Hated. Oh, owner, operator, uh, Grand Poobah of Comic Related. But back to <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, So yeah, we were talking about taking taking everything, moving to Nars. You've got your artist now, and, you, and things are starting to flow in. Um, let's talk about if you're you're assume you're the artist. So as you're writing. Like I said, you're constantly sort of thinking page layout, story, um, concept, um, how many pages a story is going to be as you're writing. Um, we all do it. Even All writers probably do it. A lot of writers will do thumbnails to give to an artist. That's something we haven't discussed. Um, I know I've seen uh, thumbnails from um, Neil Gaiman, which was pretty cool, little ash cans from Sandman. Um, I've seen thumbnails from several different artists. Jackie, when she does a strip, she'll do a thumbnail, show it to me. Looks cool. She'll reproduce the whole thing. Um, so it, it's a quick way to sort of get to feel on page count, a quick way to get a feel on a page. And, you know, I believe we had somebody write in and ask about doing page layouts or something like that. Um, so you sort of think, got to think as you're writing that page, are you moving everything along? There's a lot, lot to be thought of as you're, as you're transitioning from the writing end to the drawing end uh, of setting up this story of telling, are you tell as an artist or as your artist you're working with, are they telling a story? Are they moving the page across so the readers aren't jumping around? Cause you got, even that's a horrible thing. You sort of have to think that every reader is a newbie. They have to read left to right, back down to the left-hand corner and back across. You've got to think in that direction. You sort of have to make sure the page is moving along the way it's telling a story. Are the panels laid out to tell it properly? Are the characters moving things along? Um, just a lot of thought that had to be given to setting up a successful story. Does any of that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's, For example, this is one way I, that I approach it. Uh, one of the things that you really have to be aware of is your own pacing as far as your writing because you don't want it to peak too soon so that the rest of the issue is sort of a you know it's just a downward slope but you want it to build so what I, I will do is I'll number a page sometimes uh, one through say it's 24 pages and I'll make notes about about where I think certain things should happen and then I will do thumbnails, and as I said, things kind of in a movie, 
format, but they're also in a comic book format because you know, I've seen a lot of comic book pages and I know sort of what I want it to look like, but I'm not tied into that. So I'll do thumbnails using that those notes and I will build off of that. And then comes maybe the I'll sit down and I'll just I'll write out the script with the uh, captions and the scene, what I envision the scene to be and, and any notes that I think the artist would need. Um, a, a suggestion of dialogue I'm not tied into where it has to be a certain thing because I've seen scripts a lot of times from newer writers that have so much verbiage that there's no way I mean it, it just might as well be a book with some book plates mm -hmm. yeah. uh, yeah. some illustrations you ever seen Alan uh, Moore's script uh, oh yeah ooh. yeah and uh, I mean it works but I mean you, I, <laughs> there are a lot, of, a lot of people who are on Alan Moore and I'm one of them um yeah, it's a pro. It's it is for me. It's a process of building on, of going through that idea and turning it into a script. So there is some preparation beforehand, and even after you start getting the pages back, your script may change, and mine does some as well because you may think of a better way to phrase huh. something. Yeah. Um, so I I got yeah, something to add like, to that. Um, I got the. Uh -huh third page of the Camelot Forever story in. And I, now I wrote this over a year ago, went back and tweaked it right before I gave it to Eddie two months ago. I get this page, I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome, right? I'm going to script it. I went back. I didn't script this page. I plotted it. So I had told them what we wanted, but I didn't have a clue what they were talking about at this point in time. So basically, it's a five-page scene, I had to go back to page one, reread it, get it in my mind what the conversation is. And I, I know what it's saying, but I'm like, okay, what verbiage do I need to put on this page to get across to the reader what's going on? All right, because you know. I know, you know right. But, but, you know, the setting is like the sure first panels. You know, you can see an opening in the cave behind her. So, you know, I sort of put high above the raging battle because I know the first three pages are the battle scenes so you know I had to put a setting box in there and then I'm like okay she is doing something here and I need to put so it was it was cool a little scary because I was trying to do it on the fly which you never never try to push something like that um but it was exciting it was a lot of fun to sit back and think oh I gotta rethink this and on, on the flip side, I've had scripts where every, I just wrote everything out. I knew exactly what everybody wanted to say, everything. And there you just go. You cut and paste the letter, and you're done. You move on. So it, it was exciting to, to get it. It wasn't exciting trying to do it late at night and get it done to take the show with me. Um, but right. it, it was a lot of fun doing it that way. So, yeah, and that was speaking, things change out. What did I originally ever have them saying there? I have no clue. I don't know. When I plotted out, I have no clue what. I knew what I wanted in the scene, but I really, at this point, have no clue what they were going to say at that point in time. So, sorry, Bill. That was, no, no, that was no, something I fine. just experienced. Yeah. No, a lot of people, and especially a lot of people starting out, have a bad habit of, I guess, overwriting is the best way to put it. The whole point of comics, sequential art, is to get the reader from point A to point B. 
You want to get them from the top of the page to the bottom, from the first page to the last. So you really need to think of it as if it were different shots from a movie. If they were actual pieces of film, which, you know, will mean nothing to people who grew up in the area of videotape mm -hmm. and digital, <laughs> you know, digital film. But still, uh, old films were made up of many, many frames of single shots. Well, you, that is really what your comic book is. You need to move the things around the page. And as a writer, it's your job to remember that you have to keep a certain pacing for your artist to be able to keep a certain pacing. Because essentially, if you have an action-style comic book, the reader should be able to read that whole book cover to cover in 15 minutes or less. Right. I mean, they should be able to get right through it. You know, boom, boom, boom. That's the way the action's happening. You know, it should be boom, boom, boom. If anything in there holds them up and stops them, you failed to keep that momentum going. Now, that's different if you're writing a Talking Heads book, like, say, uh, you know, like A Strangers in Paradise. That you want people to mull over and look at and pay attention to. But an action story, you really need to keep that pacing going. And, um, you know, it's really it's really incumbent on the writer first and then the artist second to, to keep up the momentum. Uh, you know, if you say if someone is leaving the room, you don't have to draw them getting up, walking across the floor, grabbing a hold of the doorknob, opening the door, walking out the door. You know, you don't need all that. You could have them getting up. You could have them hand on the doorknob. You could have the door right. closing. You know, so um, three panels for what would take if it was a piece of film, like 20 or 30 more, more you know, more shots. So every you really have to keep that in mind as you're writing your story. Yeah, you know, everybody starts with an idea, and that's kind of where we started this podcast with was the idea Well, you really need to know how to flesh out that idea. And if it's an action idea, you're going to flesh that a lot differently than if it's, uh, you know, uh, a story or if it's a lot of, you know, if it's two guys behind a counter talking about how they're not supposed to be here today. Right. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot different if you're, you know, if you're, uh, Alan Moore or Kevin Smith. Right, right. Yep. I agree. You know, so one thing we haven't talked about, and this isn't so much about layout, but when you do your story and before you go get an artist and everything, make sure it needs to be a comic book. Um, True. Darren, that's Darren from Ringtail Cafe, him and I had a conversation today, and, and Darren's always, I love Darren to death, and he wants to tell me about his ideas and projects and stuff. And he told me about this one, because... Um, came off ever there's some magic and he told me did I tell you about my idea about magic in, in modern day and I said no and he went on and he has this whole concept so well thought out and knew every detail I looked at him and says Darren that's a novel not a comic and he just looked at me blank mm -hmm. I'm like you could not get that information across in a comic that really needs to be a novel you have it so down. You have the ideas and the concept and the characters and the whole thing down. You need to write that. Don't wait for an artist. Get that written. 
So, you know, we all, we want to do comics. We're, we're in love with this whole sequential art form. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, most likely you are too. Um, so, but there is a certain project that you might want to look at and says, wow, I'm not going to collaborate. I'm going to write this. And if you want to collaborate, bring in an, art, an artist to do your cover. Uh, maybe do some chapter plates or something like that if you want some art. So yeah, just I'm just saying. I know this is about comics and stuff, but make sure this project is needs to be illustrated because sometimes a project you look at and there's just so much information, so much detail there that it, it might benefit you and it more if you go ahead and write a prose. And it's getting as simple to get prose out there digitally and in print as it is comics. You know, print-on-demand works for prose. Print-on-demand and digital works for with the uh, prose. So, in, uh, even in prose, you got the Kindle, which is a big plus for it. The comics really don't have right now, unless you're doing a black and white comic. Um, so, yeah, right. I mean, think about that. All right, back. Um, oh, it was just something that hit me today with Darren, and I, you know, I just, I was amazed. I'm, he's got so many cool ideas and stuff, and I looked down. I'm like, dude, that. That needs to be a book. So, but um, that's a really good point. And I've noticed that, uh, well, with Darren in particular, and with a lot of people uh, that I see, that um, they have so many ideas that they'll never be able to get them all out in comic form. Um, and honestly, you know, even though we are a comics podcast, more or less. Uh, we have we still have great love, and uh, we, or at least, well, I'll speak for all of us. We all have aspirations beyond comics in the publishing field. You know, we all have uh, a novel somewhere inside of us, uh, some at varying degrees more than others. You know, um, at one time, my wife and I sat down and fleshed out the ideas for some children's books. So, you know. Comics aren't the end all and be all, but they are a nice, they are a nice kind of springboard to get you into other things. Now, of course, I would never say leave right, comics, no. you know, but you know you can do, especially now, you know you can really do it all. Uh, thanks to the advent of digital, you really can kind of do it all. I mean the. Uh, not only the Kindle, but the iPad. Um, you know, you can pretty much write your novel, uh, set it up on the web, and be able to download it for your bookshelf all on the same iPad. So that's true. There's, it's really a lot to think about. Yeah, uh, I think I've mentioned before. Mark McKenna has Banana Tail. That's one of his personal projects. It's a kid's book. Right. And there are, uh, I think a a college class maybe that was doing an animation based on that um, and, and then there was uh, just different things and you can go to bananatail.com and he's got some of that stuff links to it or whatever on there and I've heard people say you know to, more to the effect that comics is a dead end that they just don't have a clue that there are other things that you can do beyond that you know? yeah, and, and part of that comes from collaborating with other people because that inspires you Right. to do other things so well that you know that's a ridiculous notion anyways of comics being a dead end i mean 
given the sheer amount of material that is out there based on comics and other medium, right? Uh, it's just you know, I I would think comics is very much of a springboard yes. these days. I mean, for example, you know, if uh, if you have aspirations toward doing like pop up books, I I was sent this amazing pop-up book uh, from the people at DC that uh, is all based on the DC characters. Um, and it's just, it's a phenomenal book. Um, you know, of course it has, uh, it has uh, origin things and other things in the book about all the DC characters, but, you know, that's one avenue to go. It's not a comic per se, but it's definitely comics adjacent, right. you know, and, um, I constantly go in the bookstore and they have young reader books, uh, based on superheroes, uh, star Wars, the clone wars. There's a ton of young reader books for that, you know, uh, starring the comic heroes, but in these more kid friendly situations. Right. And, and you it, know, of course, of course, there's animation too. So, well, you know. and if comics was the end, all, um, why do we have creators like Josh Whedon? You know, he yeah. he doesn't he sees, you know, to me, TV is short term. I mean, Buffy was a long run, and Angel had okay, but right. you know, they just announced Dollhouses is going to comics. That dude's still got more stories to tell, and he's bringing a following oh, yeah, in with him. You know, um, what was Chuck? Chuck watches the Food Channel, and there's a cook on there who travels around the world. I can't remember his name, and I think you guys might have ran something on CR about it. Anthony Bourdain. It. He enjoys comics, and he's created a book that's coming out, I think, through Dark Horse. You know, right. so <laughs> comics are spring-filled for tons of concepts and you know we we got right now more comics that are being made in the movies and stuff because comics are so not they're not easy to create i don't want to tell anybody oh yeah it's easy to make comics because it's not it takes a lot of patience a lot of hard work a lot of time and they're worthwhile i mean there's not many other medium out there that you can create your book and then go buy a table at a show and sit there and, and try to build a readership or go online right. and try to build it so but comics are open that way, and if you got something that looks good, it catches a reader, it catches people's eyes, it's it's going to be successful, whether you're self-published or whatever. But yeah, the whole the comics being in, uh, I'd I'd have to totally disagree. I we see more and more and more people coming into this market with either bringing concepts that ran, I wouldn't say some of these concepts ran their course, um, because um. Firefly is one of them. It wasn't given a chance in TV right, at exactly. all. Um, I'm a latecomer to this. I watched it on DVDs. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I gobble up any of the comics they produce on it because that, that whole concept was not given a chance to run run its, you know, ground. Right. Now, now Dark Horse has its own digital uh, distribution uh, arm, and they're going to be running tons more of stuff like the Firefly, all the Whedon, pretty much everything right. Whedon related will be on that as well. So 
And I heard the best quote the other day uh, for people who do or who are into digital comics. Uh, there's always those people that say digital's going to kill the print comics. So I heard the best quote the other day. Uh, they said that print comics are collectible and digital comics are consumable. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so I thought that was I thought that made the best sense of anything I've ever heard. Now, you know, you, digital comics are there to read. You're not going to necessarily hang on to them. If you do, of course, it's not taking up physical space. It's taking up virtual right. space. So I think digital comics we need to really tackle through and through. I mean, you could we could talk about weekly, deep. We could put the whole podcast on a weekly basis. It changes so much. But oh yeah, of course. You know. What I heard when I went to New York is that D, or I think it's Marvel is excited. They released a digital version, I don't know which title it was, and a print version the same week at the same price. And oh, yeah. Um, I can't remember, I can't remember what it is was, either. But, but yeah. And the digital versions did really, really well. DC had done that as well with... Uh... With Justice League Generation Lost. You know what's funny is I have my retailer account still with Diamond and everything. And they, Mm -hmm. evidently, because DC caught a little flack from a handful of retailers or something, I don't know. DC is offering returns on that book. Which is, Uh, I think, is ridiculous. Retailers need to get... It is very ridiculous. You know, some of these retailers need to get off their high horse. Understand digital. Embrace digital and use it you know there's going to be they're going to sell trades of books that they're not selling many copies of so you know they need to be ready and prepared to handle getting those trades in listening to their to their customers who are reading digital and what they're reading and uh yeah i hope they they step it up but well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is definitely dating me a little bit, but I remember back in the day when they did CD singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's nothing to say that they can't do some sort of digital version of the comic or a series of comics, put them on put them on uh, flash drives or flash cards or something like that that you could pop into mm-hmm. your computer. In the same way that you would go and buy a physical yeah, well, comic I think, book. I think right with now. downloading, you're not going to see much. I mean, we researched mediums heavily last year. And right. I, I think downloads are getting so fast and files are getting so small that it's going to bypass. Right. I mean, there's going to be some of that when you sell. A, oh, we're getting ready to offer a sketch collection by 1 through 10. Digital formats. Right. Um, I'm giving them... Three formats, CBR, CBZ, and PDF. So those are three different type of formats they can read on. And then yeah. we're going to include like the first 10 or so of these podcasts. So that's sort of like here's this whole collection for one mm-hmm. price. You don't have to download it. It's right here. Move them over to your files. Right. Move them on your computer. Do whatever you want. Um, so those are those are going to yeah, work. Yeah, maybe something like but that. But singles, man, the yeah. download is so quick. All you got to do is put it online, put a link. Boom, and it starts sending. Yeah, that's true. Um, or I wonder if, like, I know GameStop uh, has really pushed the subscription 
services for a lot of the gaming mm-hmm. systems. I wonder if maybe, and you know, I'm old enough to remember when they opted for subscriptions in, uh, they actually advertised for them in the right. books where, you know, you could get a subscription to, you know, whatever title. Um, so I wonder if that might be a viable option that retailers could sell subscriptions to a I certain so. book. I, I think, uh, you know, that might be a I way to go. What it's going to have to come down to is you're going to be able to buy a card much like you can World of Warcraft or something like that. These right, cards right. will be coded yeah. with the retailer's information so that mm-hmm. when they're being used, the vendor, the, the supplier, the distributor, they know where it's coming from. And and so either the retailer makes its money off selling the $10 card, the distributor right. and the creator makes a little less, but they're getting some money back to the stores. Or you could flip that around and the retailers could give away the cards and get the money on the back end. There's a couple different modes you could work. So it, we'll just right. got to see how it all works out. And I think you're very right. You know, those retailers that refuse to adjust are going to be gone. Yep. <laughs> you know, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, you know, when the back issue market really started to fall out, uh, you know, sure, people groused and groaned about it, but uh, the smart people adjusted. Um, now they're going to have to adjust right, to right. this. I mean, I don't think floppies are gone. I've said this in the past. No, and they I never will you be. Know, I think this is going to grow over the next five years or longer, a stronger trade market. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes. Which is good because trades, you know, uh, a lot of non-comic book stores will not bother with floppies, but they're fine to get trades they see them as you know just any other book right. for the most part but, you know you'll find those in a borders or uh you know walden books or stuff like that so well, and a bookstore makes good money off a trade you know yes, instead indeed. of giving the same space for 10 floppies that he's going to make a dollar floppy he's going to make 10 bucks that same space you could have three trades or four trades and he'll profit Twenty to thirty dollars off of that same space. Right. So, and the the trades you can edge. So there's all kinds of stuff we can get into. And we we really need to at some point in time. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I do remember you know working at a bookstore that the even this was years ago. This was more than ten years ago. The trade section went from a shelf to a bookshelf and then to its own section. So. It's definitely not, you know, a flash in the pan or anything yeah. like that. It's it's definitely something that's going to be around oh, for yeah. some time. It's not going nowhere. Keep creating, guys. Yep, yeah. indeed. Okay, we got way off track, which is very usual for the sketch crew here. Yeah. Huh. Imagine and that. Bill? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, when you start talking about all that stuff, I mean, I don't have anything you, to contribute to that. Really. business, though. Well, that's true. Yeah, but that was back in the days of back issues and um, really before trades really started right. coming out. So Back when comics were carved out of stone. Wow. Yeah, and you were one of my customers. So. I know. <laughs> they were heavy carrying those. Hey, we we were talking about <laughs> uh, um, 
Man, I remember when they were drawing slate tablets with chalk. Oh, no, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> telling a story and uh, transcribing it from script to art. Or, yeah, script to art. I think we did a pretty good job on talking about moving it from, from the uh, actual plotting, scripting, to telling a story. One thing we need to talk about is right. the art's going to transcend from the cover into the story. And at some point, we want to discuss setting up a good cover. Um, yes, we do. Because all too often, well, not so much now, but definitely back in the day, you saw covers that had zero to do with what's going on. And in that's the story. still a huge complaint. Um, you know, these in, Marvel editors, DC, they all have this thing that the big group shot, you know, um, drawn by J. Scott Campbell or, or whatever, just. Do this group shot. That's what everybody wants. And, and those are cool. Right. But I really like the day when John Byrne did a cover and it told us what was inside. You know what I mean? George Perez did a cover. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome. With his art inside. You know? Um, now, I, I don't mind specialty covers, variants. Um, but you right. have to put together a good cover. you got to design a good cover. Um, this happened today. We're, we're working on the first cover for the uh, Clay'sway collection. Um, it's going to be like a little 20-page uh, comic that I'm going to take to Detroit Fanfare in a few weeks. And Jackie started roughing up, at lunch, she started roughing up a cover. And uh, she's roughing up some different ideas. And the tendency for an artist, especially a right-handed artist, is to draw right to left. She drew the characters. She wants them pointing, which I thought was really cool. But she showed them pointing to the left. And oh, no. this book is going to be laid out because it's got comic strip. It's going to be only six inches tall, but nine inches long. It's going to be laid out sideways. Right. And that's a pretty cool little format. So they were pointing towards the staple. They were pointing towards the close of the book. So I looked at her and I says, you know what? That's yeah. a beautiful design. I didn't say a word to her. And she, got, she needed to get her ideas out. And that's one thing. Be respectful of the artist. Mm -hmm. I says, now that we only have one problem. She's like, what? I says, it needs to be flipped around. And she just looked at me real weird. I says, one thing I got a lecture from Dick Giordano, gosh, 10, 15 years ago, was that everything needs to move forward. Everything needs to get push everything along, even the covers. And if you're going to have somebody pointing or looking, you need to have them pointing towards the opening of the book so you're looking across those characters and they're pushing you right towards opening that book up to see what's inside. And it's all subliminal in our heads, but it works. Move that action, move that storm, move those people, but have them looking slightly. If they're not looking dead on you, have you know majority of them looking towards that opening of that book. Make that customer open that book up to see what's inside. Because that's what that's the job of a cover, and we really, really need to talk about design, logo, layout, the whole thing of covers at some point. Actually, I'm going to make a note of that. Yes, I was about yeah. to say that'd design be a good next week. Design covers next week. All right, good. Written down. But movement's a big thing, and moving along in, inside the pages, whether you're moving a page from the left page to the right page is important. Um, you need to write it so the so the artist can do it. And you hope the artist pulls it off. But also, you got to move that page 
from the right page to opening that page up. And it doesn't, it, right. it, a lot of this is subliminal stuff. Movement of backgrounds, movement of, of motion, movement of face, something. But you've got to want to keep things moving. Um, one of the pages I just got back from Maddie, he's got, I said, you know, one of the girls is running up this hill and her older uncle is following her. This is a right-handed page. You know which way she's running up the hill? To the right. Towards the opening of the really. book. He could have drew her running straight at me. Anyway, I didn't stay there. Yeah. Eddie's been around for a long, long time. He knew. Keep that all moving forward. So every shot, right. far away shot, has a moving to the right. Close-up shot. She's moving towards the right, but she's looking over her shoulder at her uncle, who is facing her. So it's all moved. And you don't realize that until you hear somebody say it. So when, when Dick, so many years ago, told me that, it like it was something that clicked in my head. It was like, Oh, you don't see that until somebody tells you about it. And, and, and even now, I can read a comic and I think, oh, yeah, they drew this, 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 and this. When I read a comic, I read it to enjoy. But when I'm designing one or I'm getting one back, I will go, oh, okay. And the cool thing nowadays, we have tools with Photoshop and everything. You can go in there and flip a, pa you can flip a panel. As long as it doesn't right. have any text or logos or anything on it, it's going to make them backwards. You can get in there and move some things around. So there's some tools to, that you can use. But, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And, you know, it's all subliminal. And is it done all the time? Heck, no. Does all the modern-day creators do it? No, they don't. Does some of the better storytellers do it? Yes, they do. So, yeah, it, it's stuff to think about. That was my tangent, guys. <laughs> No, yeah. I, I and I have seen, I have seen people do it. Um, it looks wrong, and I've seen it done wrong, but I've also seen it in a few cases where it is done sort of almost to bring the story to us a, a halt or to uh, sort of change up the pacing. But that's tricky, and you have to know what you're doing to you know to do that. But I've heard, I've, I've had some, I've critiqued portfolios before, and brought that up and. Uh, you know, whoever it was trying to, you know, the artist trying to justify what he was doing is it, but but it's not accomplishing that. You're not doing what you set out to do. It would work better if you do this. If you, and, and then I explain sort of what what Dick Giordano said to you. Um, it is a subliminal thing, and you, I mean, it's it's a matter of pacing too, and and it works. If it's done well, and um, as the artist and the writer, you both have to be conscious of, you know, what kind of uh, pace you want to set for this book, things you want to highlight, things you want to bring out, and uh, what what the writer writes into the script or the plot comes out through the art, and there are verbal cues to the artist who brings them out in visual cues to the reader, and it's. In, in that, it's a collaboration with all three of them. I mean, and and also the the letters and the colors too are also play in that too, and add to. But you've got um, really is a collaboration in uh, this experience of, of creating comics, and that and we keep saying, you know, don't get tied up into. Um, 
doing things one way or don't get locked into things. And the biggest thing is do it is, is, you know, is to try it. If it's something that you really want to try out, go ahead and try it. If it doesn't work, you learn from it, especially if you're coming up or if you're, you're trying to go to that next level or shoot for, um, you know, being published even not, not even just being self-published. I mean, or small press stuff or vanity publishing, but to be published by somebody else. Um, once again, you had to bring your A game to what you're doing and you can't just, uh, I'll just say half ass do it because I've seen it and it's not, you're not doing anybody any favors. You're not doing yourself, uh, giving yourself enough credit to, to, to bring this thing to life and that, and that you're shortchanging yourself and you're shortchanging your readers. So, you know, keep that in mind. I'm, pointing out anybody in particular, but that's just a general observation. I mean, you have to, it, you can't just do it for yourself. You're doing it for the readers too. And you have to be conscious of people who are going to be coming out after you reading this thing and following you and investing in you. And if you're a, uh, a bud about it or, you know, it's like, well, this is my vision and you either like it or don't. Well, Okay, go on to the next book. But I mean, there are ways to to do all these things, and and really, you have to just create comics, and that's what we keep talking about is creating comics. And there are tons of ways to do it. And our ways, we've got years to you know to back up the stuff that we talk about um, and go off on tangents about. But and I just did <laughs> once again. Yes, but, that's but okay. When, that's what we're here you know, that's, when, that's when I get into it, when we start talking about the creative stuff. Because I've, I've been the retailer, I've been the reader, I've been all the other things. But I'm several years removed from that, so I'm not as comfortable talking about those things. But when we're talking about uh, the, the act of creating or the, the zen of creating, yeah, I'm all there. And I can be diplomatic, but I, I, I want to be encouraging. But I also want you to, to do it. I mean, take some responsibility for doing it yourself. Don't, you know, don't just rely on, um, you know, the, if you're the writer, the artist bring you along. And if you're the the artist, the writer bring you along. You, you both have to to come to this thing and meld your styles. Just like the penciler and the inker, that is a synthesis of style, um, of two styles. It's not just an inker retracing the pencil lines. Um Thank you, Chasing uh -huh. you know, Love Kevin Smith. and uh, But, I mean, that in explaining what an inker does, that's what I've, you know, people get it when you start talking about it. It's a collaboration of a penciler, a pencil artist and an ink artist, and merging right. their styles. And same thing with a writer and a penciler or a, a pencil or artist, you know, depending on, you know, if he's doing everything or if it's all the same person. It's a synthesis of all those things coming together and creating something new, or you know, new to somebody right. anyway. Right. Um, Set know, your but, goals. Uh, yeah, we we right. talked about that I think last podcast or the one before. Set your goals and work with the other creators. Set those goals and work towards achieving those goals and readjust when you need to. You know, and get it right. Over. Exactly. And and Bill brought something up that I wanted to add on to. Uh, about, you know, the danger of being too 
uh, arrogant or too full of your own writing. There is no such thing as being too hip for the room. <laughs> you know, or there's no such thing as your stuff being too smart right. for the room. No, it's not. You need to write to the room, which the room in this case is your audience. If your stuff is, you know, if your stuff is not palatable to the general audience, then go somewhere and write an esoteric novel that three people will read. You know, yeah, are you wanting you to build need, a readership? You know, is that right? Are you wanting to build a readership? Or are you wanting to be, you know, are, are you wanting to be uh, the supposed intellectual of comics? You know, that's uh, that's been tried and it doesn't work. You know, that's been tried in magazines, that's been tried in a lot of things. And those things tend to fall away pretty quickly. Because, uh, you know, A, your readers do not like being insulted by your writing, you know. That uh, if you if you are insinuating that they are too dumb to get your meaning. Now, it could be that you are too dumb to explain your meaning in a way that people will get well, it. if you're explaining that much you're over explaining you're not allowing the artist right, or if to, you're explaining do his job or you know, that's yeah. true too you know that's why i was talking before about over writing you know uh if it takes you if it takes what the artist put down and 50 pages of dialogue to get the point across <laughs> you're doing it wrong Rethink At that point, you bring in an editor, and not a friend, exactly, or, or maybe a distant no. friend or, or somebody who's in this market. Um, I bring in a couple. I mean, John, you've edited strip. Bring in a bill. You've edited right. strips. Um, you both were tied up yesterday with your day jobs. I called Bill Love. I had a strip. Darren plotted it. I knew the general census of what to put on the Clay'sway strip, but really didn't have it down. I was exhausted still. Hadn't caught up on sleep. Um, I wrote the basic stuff, ran it by Bill. Bill brought back his ideas. We tweak it, and I think it's one of the better written strips we've done. Um, so, yeah, bring in outside sources um, and let them strip away. Be willing to listen to that outside source. And that that may definitely be I'm right a podcast for another day where we talk about editing. Yeah. yeah. Well, not just getting an editor, but what it takes to be – a good editor. Yes. And to be a good a uh, creator who wants to listen. Right. right. Um, now, I apologize to our listeners. This podcast has been everywhere. I want to go back to the original concept of, of transitioning your writing to art just for a second. Because um, right. Bill was going on about that, and then he moved off on, on um, his comic mentor stuff, which I love. That's why I want to kick back and listen to Bill talk because he doesn't do it enough. But I had this in my head, one thing, and I kept talking about flow of page and everything, is that it, when not all possible, you have a change of scenes. Try to do that on the flip of the page. You know what I mean? If you're going to change from yeah. you know, this, this team fighting here to the villains inside of a cave... Boy, I don't think I'd ever write that scene. But anyway, um, don't yeah. do it on a spread. 
if at all possible. If there's ads inside of this book, find out where they're going to go before it's actually drawn. Or have some pages that you can plug in. Because if you're going to change the scene, let it be when they flip it over, it's a whole new scene. It's a whole new cliffhanger. It's it's whatever. So that I just want to go back to that. That's sort of important in laying out and writing and working with the artist. Is the, I guess it's the pacing of it. And, and the pacing of reading your story. Not just creating your story, telling your story, but in reading the story... Are you enticing that reader to flip the page to see what's next? Oh, who's this character? What's going on here? You know, um, right. it has some excitement to the to reading the book. I mean, the book's running two ninety five, three ninety five, whatever. Um, you're getting twenty pages or so, thirty pages a book. I don't think you get thirty actually. Story page twenty to twenty eight maybe. Yeah. So. 20 pages plus yeah. ads now, I think. So you need the most bang, and you need the most... You need to think about all these little factors when you're writing and when the artist, if it's yourself or you bring a somebody in, talk with them about how, okay, now this is going to turn. This is an exciting moment here. So, sorry, I just wanted to go back to that. I, I think it's important No, not at all. And, and to share with them. I, I've had those troubles myself. Where I, I've written a story and it's great. Really didn't think about it. Got the pages back. They all look beautiful. Put it all into a comic. And read it. And was like, okay, that was decent. But boy, if I had held, got rid of that page. So then the next part opened up with with a suspenseful new villain or new person. And I, then, you know, just allowed that throughout it would have been a better read. And, and that's, that's, that's the reason with this right. podcast. We're trying to give you the, our experiences, you know, our successes and our failures. And, and so you would benefit from it. I mean, as I started to learn that, there's been a few times I slid some ads in because I messed up my pacing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll put an ad in here, and this will set the pacing back up to where I want it. So there's a ways right. around it. But it, it, it's just think it through. You know, as you're writing, and as you're, you're, if you're not the writer, if you're the artist, and you got handed a script, you know, don't hesitate. Talk to the writer and says, you know what, this would pace better if we did this, this, or broke it down here. Um, you got to empower the right, the artist also, and let them contribute. Um, don't hesitate to do ash cans. Those are the greatest little thing. Take a bunch of copier paper, fold them in half, and write out the page numbers on them. And look at what this thing's going to look at, look like when it's read by the reader. Um, that that's a huge tool that many professionals still today use. They want to know what the reader is going to see as they're flipping through their book. So create a little ash can, just do some little doodles or little roughs so you can connect what's moving on. And the writer can do this. Don't have to be able to draw to create an ash can. Anybody can put stick figures on there and and make little notes of scenes and stuff. Um, it just helps you visualize what the story is going to look like. And uh, it's, it's a little tool to really use. That uh, you know, It costs you a couple sheets of paper and a little bit of time to fold it to, to create. So, yeah. Right. And uh, you know, you're probably doing this already because you love comics, so you're probably reading them. But take a comic. Don't read it. Don't read the dialogue and the captions and all that. Look at it. You're supposed to read? Look at... 
Well, oh, well okay. supposedly. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, just look at look at the way, look at the flow of it. Look at what you were saying about how it transitions. Mm-hmm. You know, realize that you have a front page and then you have pages two and three are actually the first full inside page. Right. Or pages, you know. So you you really have to think in that sort of linear way that you can't switch from, you know, it can't be day on page two and night on page three. Well, it can, but, you know, you'll mess up the pacing right. of your story. And, you know, just putting a and later box doesn't always right, work. Right, right. So, you know, you really need to uh, keep all this stuff in your, you know, I know we're giving you tons of advice and it's hard to keep it all in your head, but luckily... You have it where you can go back and All listen right. to it Make repeatedly. Notes. Yeah. Make uh, notes. I, I know Make, some yes. people are. There will be <laughs> no, a test. No, you're the teacher, aren't you? Uh, no <laughs> yes, test. Exactly. I don't like tests. Um, no test. One thing I think of, I, I, some people have said, well, I'm going to do it digitally. They're going to read this one page at a time. Most readers out there will show two page spreads. And they're not as readable yep. as two pages, but you can still. And for me, it's still the joy of, of reading a comic. I'll, I'll pull up the two-page spread, look at it. Then I'll zoom in on the single page and read, move over and read the next page. But for some reason, I always want to see the two pages there in front of me. Um, is that going to change right. with the youth of the day, my youngest? Probably. But right now, it's not. Most readers out there will still show two-page two spreads. So it's still important to think how that story is flowing throughout. Right. And honestly, too, you know, uh, you may be digital right now. But you may someday want to put that into a graphic novel. So you're going to need to know that page, the way the pages lay out, because someday it may very well be on pages. Right, right, definitely. I mean, there's some properties we're talking about that we might release digitally, but we'll do limited edition print runs of the comics just to take the shows and stuff with us, knowing they're more of... Catching the older crowd, or just just getting it out there with us at shows, because you can't carry a digital comic with you. Well, you can. Yeah, it's a you, know, you hard. can if a disc and everything. Well, if, if it's a single one shot, you're not going to. So some of those we we know we're going to really push digitally, um, but then, you know, just we we'll do a limited run or a print on demand to have some with us when we do the shows next year. So we have to be thinking storytelling, pacing, and the whole works. So. Wow, tons of information all over the place. Sketch Crew does it again. We 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 uh, really showed our uh, ADHD dyslexia going everywhere. <laughs> and yes, that was a plug for Clayway.com. Um, there you go. Um, I, these podcasts are fun. I really enjoy talking to you guys because it gets me pumped. It gets my juices pumped. Um, I like getting responses from the people out there. Um, either some of them were really getting pumped. I know a gentleman, um, one of the fans from CR, our uh, our podcast where we talked about, you know, setting setting deadlines, uh, modifying those deadlines. He said he sent that podcast to everybody he's working with. So let them know that nice. yes, you have to set up deadlines, but you can also modify them, adjust them, and make it work. You know, so you know, hopefully we're reaching you a little bit. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of information out there. But um, I think we sort of. I think we killed whatever subject we were trying to kill there. What do you guys think? <laughs> it died Not a painful so. death. But um, speaking of yeah. mail, we um, actually it came to uh, it came to the group mailbox. We did get a nice mm-hmm. piece of mail. 
um, from a gentleman named Scott Hamilton, uh, who has a website called Hamilton's Caricatures. Uh, of course, um, well, not of course, I, I shouldn't put it that way, but he does say that he loves the, uh, he loves the site and uh, really loves all the information we are giving him. He has asked if we ever thought about focusing on different types of art. Uh, in his case, he is a caricature artist and belongs to an organization of 600 plus caricature members worldwide. And um, caricature is apparently a largely growing awesome. art form. So, Yes, yeah, so, um, well, I guess the short answer to that is we, uh, we touched on a little bit this time. We love other medium, uh, but in the case of caricature, I just don't know enough nah. about it. So, nope, not really at all. I mean, I can do a real basic caricature, but anything beyond that, with the uh, skill of some of the things that I saw on Mr. Hamilton's website... I'm not really good. So I put it to you, Scott Hamilton, that um, if you have the opportunity or the inclination to create some how-tos on how to do caricatures, we will gladly run those on our Sketch Magazine daily uh, yes. forum. Yes. Uh, if it is a text uh, or a print version, uh, we will also run that and we will run a link back to your website as well so and also post something uh, over the community mm -hmm. that's right mm -hmm. oh yeah please sign up um i i know it says here that uh he signed up for uh the community and as soon as he gets approved he will be posting awesome. so um thank you for that sounds great and that was yep. the mail other than the pats on the back and the the booze, tell Bob quit putting the business down, industry down. Oh, I thought someone was sending you Ooh, alcohol. Oh, booze. Ooh, yeah. Booze. <laughs> no, no alcohol for me. A nomenclature uh -oh. problem there. <laughs> um, so do we need to touch up on what's been going on over at the online? Uh, we can. There has been... Uh... There has been more than a few things uh, that have popped up since last time yes. we spoke. Uh, let's see. Going in descending order, um, I came across a uh, tutorial by Scotty Young, who um, has quickly become one of my favorite artists lately. Um, I really like the, uh, the Wizard of Oz stuff he recently did. Um, I also really like a... Um, a Human Torch mini series that he did that I don't think many mm -hmm. people read, but I thought it was really good. So, um, so go check that out. It's him working with Sketchbook Pro, uh, which I believe if you have an iPad, you can uh, download, or uh, I believe you can get it elsewhere, but I believe it might be slightly pricey. So tread carefully mm -hmm. with that one. Um, also, uh, speaking of artists that I absolutely love, I am the world's biggest Jim Lee fan. Um, I would have a completely happy day just sitting next to him watching him draw all day. So, uh, I found some stuff of him sketching DC characters, Black Canary, Batman, and Green Lantern. 
So I put that on there. Um, and then for Monday, I put a, or the previous Monday, I put a fairly long set of videos uh, of a panel on breaking into comics. Uh, we've touched on that here and there. Um, we've touched on that in the magazine repeatedly. So um, this is a group of people, Peter David being one of them, and uh, several people from Marvel uh, elsewhere on the panel, talking about breaking in at a mm-hmm. con. Um, then another thing by Jim Lee, uh, was it wasn't necessarily intentional that I put two things in, but I found this thing of him drawing on the back of an iPod. <laughs> using a marker and a whiteout pin. And it's pretty incredible. And I also found out at the New York show uh, this past weekend, an iPad was given away. And Jim Lee had drawn on the back of that oh, cool. as well. At the DC Digital panel. So uh, whoever has that iPad right now, you are an incredibly lucky individual. Um, let's see. Also, um, Jim Mafford or Mayford, I always say his name wrong. Um, I found a video of him at the New York Comic Con last year. Um, one video is a brief interview of what he was up to at the time. And the second is him creating art for this thing called the Arts Project, uh, which is once again creating artwork for... Uh, phone covers and things like that. And I believe the money of that went to various various sorts of charities. And then uh, another one from Freddie Williams. Freddie Williams is, of course, the the DC digital artist who is behind the creation of the book that they put out a few years ago on how to create digital art. A really good book. I can highly recommend it to people. So go check that out. And then I have a thing on Taiwanese creators. Creators from Taiwan. There is an ever-increasing number of uh, Asian creators in comics these days. I saw a lot of them. I'm sorry. I saw a lot of them at New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised uh, because there's such a... uh, large Asian population in New York. Uh, so there are several, there's actually this website that, uh, that centers specifically on Taiwanese creators. And, um, I found this, uh, this video of them hanging out at a con. I'm not quite sure which one. And then I think this is, uh, Oh no, Mm -hmm. there's two more, uh, that we hadn't gotten to yet. Um, Way, way back in the day, uh, the book came out, Drawing the Marvel Way. Well, also, equally back in the day, you can tell by the look of Stan Lee in this picture uh, that this is many, many decades old, that uh, they put out a video series. Well, you could never find that anywhere uh, Mm -hmm. for free. Actually, you could never find anywhere, period. But uh, recently, I came across it on YouTube, and I've... Didn't want to run the entire thing, but I found a really great tutorial on drawing the figure. So um, that kind of centered on stuff I was doing in my day job as well. So um, I thought that would be good. And 
Then the other one, uh, this is kind of a nod back at Bill, actually, because Bill's really the first person that um, introduced me to ElfQuest. And I... Eh. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I found these this video uh, from back in the 80s of Wendy Peeney, or Penny, um, discussing... Peeney? Okay. Uh, discussing ElfQuest. Actually, just discussing her work as a woman in comics, uh, but also discussing, uh, you know, just ElfQuest and uh, other comic things in general. And I do believe that brings us back up to the yes, current time. So, Bill, what's going on over at the communities? Uh, we're still having the contest, the uh, DVD contest. A couple of people have said, yeah, I'm going to do the uh, Draw My Favorite Rockstar in concert. Uh, that's on comic related in the forum and you know, we've got some you know, new artists posting on the forum and you know it's really pretty good, cool good. so it's always right. new blood and you can also leave uh, comments or suggestions from these podcasts over there yeah. yes you may each podcast has its own thread and feel free to ask questions um, comments if you want clarification or if you have a different take on something, you know, feel free to, right. to leave it because it's not just us responding. It's, it's, you know, it's open to all the other people on the forum too. And you get a lot of, um, cross pollination as far as interest and, uh, what other people have taken from the same thing. Right. So, and, um, I've said it in the past, Chuck Moore has built a wonderful community over there. Um, great group of people. They're just, you know, they're right in there. What, we were building an afterburn. Um, everybody's positive. I mean, they give you suggestions, ideas, but they're very positive. And if you're not a member, definitely go over and check it out, please. Um, it's a great place to hang. What about uh, Comics Mentor? What's going on there? Past week, um, on Monday, it was uh, Set Your Goals for the Week. That's really, I could post that every Monday and it would be right. new to somebody. But, uh, or news to somebody, actually. Right. Really? <laughs> Uh, I'm supposed to set goals. Yeah, and and that's sort of sort of a reminder to me too. Uh, always, I mean, every encouraging or every note like that is always to me because I think, if, like I said, if it's something that I really need to hear, then if somebody else benefits from it, you know, so be it. So I'm not talking down to somebody. I'm always talking to myself first. Right. So. I don't. I don't want people to take the wrong ideas. Like, oh, you know. But uh, that's really the biggest thing: is set your goals, and that goes, that goes along with things that we say on the podcast too. But uh, you have to put things down and work toward those things. And Monday's always a good. You know, every week has a Monday yes, in it. it. So, you know, if you don't do it this week, work right. on it next week. See how close you can and get to just that. Just those so. goals. Right. Okay, um, let's see. Blue Line, good news. Sketch 40 is done. It is in Woo-hoo! shipping right now. So if you're a subscriber, you should be getting yours within the next week or so. Um, they start shipping out tomorrow, and it is finally finished. Great news. It will be available in the Blue Line store to purchase, and uh, it's a great interview. It's got some great articles in it. And we are so happy to get that one under us. And we are getting ready to jump on 41, the Alex Ross issue. 
So uh, we're going to get these rolling out. So yeah, it's done. Um, again, the um, Sketch Magazine podcast app is available at the iTunes Store. Um, I love it. I've shown it off up in New York. Um, it's a great little tool. Um, so you know, check that out if you really like the podcast. You got an iPad or iPhone, you want to take it on the go. Um, it's definitely a huge plus. Um, we're going to run a contest over at CR to give one away. Want to do that, John? Um, we'll, we'll get that set up. Okay. We'll give away one, and uh, we're going to give one away over at Blue Line, and we'll probably give one away in the next Sketch Magazine 41. So we're going to give away a few, but go check it out. It's a great little tool, and uh, I think it's like a dollar ninety-nine. So it's not bad. Um, and really, that's it. So uh, John, how can they find you? They can always find me hanging around Comic Related. They can email me at john at comicrelated.com or john at sketchmagazine.net. They can uh, reach me and all of us at podcast at sketchmagazine.net. Sure. And Bill? Um, I'm always on the uh, Comic Related forum because uh, I'm che- specifically checking our podcast threads and our uh, the magazine threads and the contest threads so I'm, I'm usually there I check back and forth and uh, also comics right. mentor you know so that's always cool. a place to find um, let's see I'm uh, trying to update sketchmagazine.net I try to put either podcast information uh, I put the latest podcast on the podcast page definitely every week um, I'm at blue line and now I am uh very much over at claysway.com. It's the new strip I got hitting. We're in our third week of uh, posting a strat account with my fingers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, we're building a community. Bill's helped me build a community. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot there that I want to share about publishing web strips in the future. And uh, so you can reach me at uh, uh, the the podcast at sketchmagazine.net or you can reach me at bobh at bluelinepro.com if you want to drop me a note or catch me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time. Just look up uh, Robert W. Hickey on Facebook. Catch me there. So, alright guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sounds good. Good night everybody. Good, good night. night.